Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. <laughs> Welcome to Sawbones, marital tour of misguided medicine. I am your co-host Justin McElroy, and I'm Sydney McElroy. It's a little too much, sort of like bravado for my name. I think I regret it instantly. It sounded a little more like like a radio DJ. Yeah, that's not me, folks. I'm just regular Justin. In fact, I'm less than regular Justin because I come to you today hat in hand, uh, like like my, on behalf of my wife and the Maximum Fun Network. Uh, it's Max. Our fun. lovely children. <laughs> yeah, our lovely children who just just want a square meal, three hots and a cut. No, um, <laughs> this is a Max Fun Drive. Uh, it's an exciting time. I don't feel humble. I'm thrilled um, because it is a time where we all get to come together as a network and with one voice hold hands and say, hey, you, give us money for this. <laughs> <laughs> The, uh, we've been on the Max Fund Network since uh, we launched our show in 2013. We're I'm at 220 sure. some episodes. Has That's it been rough. five years. Almost five years. I think wow. in the summer, right? It'll be five years. <clears throat> I can't believe that. Believe it or not. Um, but uh, the Max Fund Drive is when you if, you, if you're not familiar, it's when we ask our listeners if they are able to to really join the Maximum Fun Network, not just mm-hmm. like listen, but really become a member, and mm-hmm. by that we mean uh, pledging a certain amount of money that you can are able to comfortably donate each month. Um, we're going to talk about uh, what you will get in exchange for uh, these donations, these thank you gifts. You're not really mm-hmm. buying them. What you're paying for is the content that you've enjoyed, and it's a way to say, hey, I like this being in the world. And um, and it, we really appreciate we you really, showing showing that support. And so, and if you're already a member, maybe you want to think about upgrading your membership. Uh, that that would be wonderful too. Uh, MaximumFun.org forward slash donate is the address. If you like our show, if you can spare a few bucks to support it or and the other shows in the network, um, it the the show you choose when you donate or upgrade what shows you listen to. And the majority of your donation goes right to those shows. A, a, a smaller percentage goes to Max Fund to pay for its employees and uh, the great team over there. And then the rest goes straight to the shows. So that is a way to show your support and to help make it possible for us to do this. Um, uh, just to give a personal story, Sydney uh, works fewer hours than she used to mm-hmm. um, because she wanted to make more time to research and make Sawbones great and record Sawbones and do like more live sawbones and stuff like that. So, yep. um, and that's thanks to y'all. So, yeah, thank you. 
Uh, that uh, we'll talk more about that at the break. But that actually, Sydney, dovetails, not ducktails, dovetails. <laughs> not, whoa, was that intentional? Ducktails and dovetails. Like ducktails, dovetails is that a thing? I don't know of anything else. Ducktails would have been a playoff of. Yeah, because it's not. It's really. It sounds like it's intercapped in such a uh-huh. way that it, like it should be something. But uh, anyway, you know, ducktails instead of. There's nothing I can no. say there that is. Nothing makes sense. No, there's well, no and, end of that sentence. And some of them are inappropriate or expletive, so we'll just stop there. Um, <laughs> uh, I, today we're going to do an episode uh, that is is kind of different, but I think it'll be kind of fun and interesting. You're giving Cooper some weird looks. Is she okay? No, she's just squirming all over the place. She's going to need to be picked up. Also, ducks. Is it just because of duck tails, like tails? Yeah, like they have tails and also... Well, they don't have tails, but they've got that pointy part. They do part. have tails. There's an end to a duck. Ducks do have an end. Okay. Anyway. You In the hairdo, the there's the hair the hair style. Of the duck tails hairstyle. The, when, isn't that what that's called? You understand it would be pretty <laughs> wild to call a hairstyle a duck tail if ducks did not have tails. You realize that would have been the first thing at the hairdresser's association. The way that it's like smooth like a greaser, right? Yeah, no, I'm not debating the size and style of the duck tail sort of... Uh, look, I'm saying that it would have been wild if ducks did not have tails to call that style a duck tail. It's like a butt. So, uh, what we are going to do today, I'm going to call, I'm calling it because it sounds dramatic, the the secret life of doctors. Um, but really, what we are going to do, and because I think it's interesting, you know, the doctor comes in uh, when you have your appointment from a patient perspective. The doctor comes in. They see you for for you know however many minutes your appointment is. We'll get to that here in a sec, mm-hmm. and um, then they disappear. So what are they doing the rest of the time? We're gonna break this into two chunks. I mean golfing. Golfing, pretty much. <laughs> um, we're gonna break this into two chunks. Um, the first will be sort of Sydney's regular day to day. Um, and although she's a family practice doctor, I'm sure it's a, uh, somewhat different for other specialties, but maybe you can address that sort of as we go. Sure. Um, and then in the second half of the show, we're going to talk about a uh, hospital service, which is like working at the hospital itself. Um, so Sid, let's, let's actually start. And now th- this would have been, obviously we talked about residency a couple mm-hmm. times. I don't think we want to focus on that so much. I'm kind of thinking where you're at now as an attending physician. Sure. Um, uh, first off, why don't you talk a little bit about what that means, uh, being an attending physician, and then let's get into your like day-to-day. An attending physician just means that I finished all of the training portion of, of being a doctor. You know, there's the years you're a medical student. There are the years that are kind of like apprenticeship years where mm-hmm. you're a resident, right. uh, where you are a doctor and you do get paid, but you're also still in training. And then following that, you become an attending physician, meaning you're done with training. You're out there on your own. If you mess up, it's your fault now. Flip or fly. Yeah. So uh, so I am an attending physician. I have been since 2012. Um, yes. All right. So let's start with a typical, Let's because your days are a little bit different. Let's start with Tuesdays. Okay. Um, I, and I, so first of all, let me preface with, I, I do family medicine, okay. so I see all ages of patients, mm-hmm. and I largely do outpatient medicine, and when we say outpatient, we mean in the office, not in the hospital. That's inpatient. Okay. I, so I largely do outpatient medicine, and uh, I do not do a lot of like procedures, so that, that just kind of is a broad view, like that's where I fit in the medical spectrum. 
So I see you for like checkups, you know, I see well child visits for immunizations or just to make sure they're doing okay. And then I also see people for chronic disease management, you know, diabetes, hypertension, that kind of stuff. And then if you're like sick, you got a cold or something. So that that's kind of the gamut of where I fit into the world. Um, I work in an academic practice. So we have medical students and residents that I teach. And then I also see patients in that setting, which is a little unique because doing what I do, you could work in an academic practice, but most docs don't. They either work in a private practice, which is kind of what you think of as like the doctor's office where you go and there's one or two doctors and the nurses that work with them. And that's kind of it, you know, mm -hmm. freestanding. Uh, or During a strip mall between a gun store and, a, and a, a, a fortune teller, that kind of thing. Is that usually where doctor's office is? There's like different places they could be, I guess. I, I mean, I guess it could be. Could be. It's, it's, sure. Uh, and then there's also, you know, large group practices with many, many doctors still outside of academics, still outside of a hospital. Um, but they would all do the similar kind of thing. I start my day uh, seeing patients at 8 a.m., generally on Tuesdays specifically, but I mean, at our office, everybody starts at eight pretty much. And the way that primary care visits are generally broken up and it varies from place to place, but this is usually, this is the most common schedule. I am scheduled a patient every 15 minutes. So if I've already seen you before, that means you're an established patient with me. You get 15 minutes scheduled for your visit. If I've never seen you before and you're a new patient to me, you get 30 minutes scheduled for that visit. Subsequent visits, of course, will be 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, this would be different in different specialties. I know, for instance, that if you're in psychiatry, your visit may be scheduled for an hour. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. if you uh, are in some some other subspecialties, you might get 30 minutes for every visit. Um, but in primary care, this is pretty standard. Uh, there are some that do 20-minute visits, but for the most part, 15 minutes is all we are given per patient. Uh, okay, so when you are going to go into a patient's room, um, how do you, do you like review them before you go in, or how does that work? Mm -hmm. I, uh, so I have access to their medical record through, we now have an electronic medical record, and again, this is the the rule rather than the exception there are still places that have paper charts in which case you would have literally a folder of old notes you know old lab results old whatever testing they've done that you could flip through first um, but I just open up their chart in the computer and I sit and I usually if I, if it's a patient I've seen before I usually just review the last note that I, when I saw them previously to remind myself what specific issues did we cover? What did we want to make sure and follow up on this time? Um, I look at any other labs they've had done since then. Um, any other visits? Maybe they've seen another spe a specialty. I can look at all those notes. Where are you um, doing this? So I have an office that I share with one other physician uh, where I could actually go and sit and have a little more privacy to review charts. But I generally work out of my nurse's station. So when you go into a doctor's office, especially one with like a multi-physician practice like mine, there are, ours has eight different nurse's stations, I believe. And at each one, the nurse is stationary. So it, it's tied to whatever nurse works there. So they tie the nurses to the station? Yeah. Yeah, he or she does not move. 
They oh, no, God. they don't. No, not Totten. Not phys- not literally. <laughs> ha ha. And but the doctors might move about now. It feels that way, doesn't it? Sometimes my fellow nurses. I'm just imagining that's an issue that nurses complain about. I don't know. The main thing Solidarity they complain about is that since the hospital bought our practice, we can't have coffee at the nurses' desks anymore. <sighs> pods, we actually call them. They're actually called pods. Oh, like the uh, Keurig. Those are I, those are fine, but I don't. Uh, <laughs> not no. We call the nurses' stations pods. Oh, not the, okay. Yeah. Um, I do work you work at a pod six? Pod six. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Generally, but I mean, doctors might move nerves? around. Like. Get out of our pod. This is this is our pod. You have your own office. Does that bother them? No, because I know you bring a, a lot of your mom's fudge <laughs> in, so maybe it's that helps. Thought. No, I think it's I think it's better for me. And this is again, this is personal for me. I like that I have so at our pod is a little desk with two computers. The one that is is the nurse's computer. You don't mess with it because that's their computer. And they use it all day long because they're doing a million things on it. And then there's the other one that the whatever doctors working out of that pod can use. And we're right next to each other. And I love that because my nurse will go out to the waiting room, get the patient that I'm going to see while I'm reviewing their chart, bring them in, take their vitals, find out what they're here for, open up a note in the chart, and then come to see me. And that time, that face-to-face time I have with my nurse is great for... If there's any issues right off the bat, uh, she can warn me quickly. Like, you should see that patient right away. There's something going on or just heads up. This bad thing happened. The sad thing that they were telling me about, you know, just so you're aware. Or they mentioned to me that they saw a doctor outside of our special, outside of our practice. And so I'm going to go try to track down that record while you're seeing the patient. So maybe we can get that record before they leave today. Mm-hmm. And for me to ask questions like, Hey, did you get a call back from so-and-so or have you read this task that I sent you yet? That kind of thing. Okay. I think it's really important to take care of patients. To free it for you and the nurses to have that proximity. Yeah. Yeah. For us to, I mean, my nurse and I have, we've worked together essentially since I started there and we have a great rhythm now. Like we we're a good team. Uh, the idea of using different computers throughout my day and having a using a computer that other people also use makes me want to scream and throw my head through the plate glass window that is in my office. I, I you have are to painting use... <laughs> the grimmest hell for me. I cannot imagine using multiple computers and having to share them with other people. I want to cry. That's the saddest thing I've ever heard. I use a different computer. Essentially every 15 minutes. Oh, oh. Uh, because each room has its own computer. Oh, you wound me. Oh, um, Smurl. Which a lot of people complain about. Like, yeah. well, then the doctor's looking at the computer instead of the patient. I try really hard to make sure that the majority of the time I'm focused on the patient talking and interacting and examining. But it would be impossible to practice medicine without a computer in the room. Um, okay, so once you go into the patient's room, I think we pretty much, I mean, I think pre- people are pretty familiar with that part. You know, you're, you're sure. asking them what's going on, you're doing the checkup. And, and, and while I'm doing that, I'm also responsible for generating a note based on the encounter, which is just a record of what you said, what we talked about, what I recommended, and... Um, any exam findings, that kind now, of thing. Do you thing. do that note while you're in the room? I do part of it while I'm in the room. Some doctors are fast enough to finish it while they're in the room. Um, I like to talk too much, and mm-hmm. I I like to talk about stuff that isn't important to the visit too much. I spend time chatting with my patients probably more than I should. So, as a result, my visits take too long, probably, and I don't finish the note in the room. So they, But they always go 15 minutes because you said... 
every 15 minutes oh. our patients so no they go at least 15 minutes i i would say that i probably in an average day i don't have a single appointment that only lasts 15 minutes unless somebody just happened to come in for my nose is runny can you just make sure i don't need an antibiotic kind of visit those can last 15 minutes but anything with chronic disease management Anything, if we're dealing with, like, mental health issues, you can't cram that stuff into 15 minutes. Um, yeah. If, if I'm only running an hour behind at the end of the day, I feel pretty good. Well, at least you get your lunch break, right? I, have, I haven't gotten a lunch break since I, I, since I started medicine. You just I mean, do- I think as a medical student, I may have gotten lunch breaks, but since residency started, I've never, never had a lunch break. It's scheduled in your day, theoretically, but... Yes, there is an hour between 12 and 1 when I am supposed to be eating lunch. I am never eating lunch at that time. Um, that That's lovely, Sid. What a good doctor you are. <laughs> and I think... I think that most- also is why, by the way, I'm going to take my sidebar here. Hi, <laughs> it's Justin. Please show up on time for your medical appointment, please... Can you do that for me so my wife is not even further behind and later in getting home and, pl- and messes up her whole day? So please be on time for your medical appointments. Hi, I know you have a lot going on. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, we it, all do. Go, it is hard. Be on time, please. Especially if you're the first appointment in the morning because if my first patient is late, the rest of my day, I, there's no way I can make up that time because I'm going to lose time throughout the day anyway. And, and that's something a lot of people say, well, you expect me to be on time, but yet you're running behind. How do you justify that? I don't want to run behind. I hate making my patients mad. I hate because I inevitably get yelled at. Maybe not every day, but every week by somebody who had to wait and is very angry with me. And I feel very bad about it. But the reason you had to wait is that someone else had an issue that took longer. Sometimes it's an emergency. Sometimes it's, I mean, you'd be shocked how many times someone comes in to discuss, you know, their blood pressure. And five minutes into the visit, they're sobbing and they're talking about something that has nothing to do with that, but that they really need to talk about that day. And, you know, uh, I I believe a good doctor goes where the visit leads them and doesn't try to force a visit on a patient that they don't feel they need at that moment. Uh, Sometimes I just have to look at people and say, listen, let's focus on this today. And I'm just going to have to bring you back to talk about. Your, you know, your glucose readings have been too high. We'll talk about that next time because clearly this is more important to you today. Um, is that a pretty good summation of like your standard, like when you're in the office? Like what I do Th- that's every day? That's a pretty yeah. good summation of that. Yeah, I, I see. And then at the end, once I'm done seeing all my patients, that's when I have to finish all the notes mm-hmm. and submit all the billing for all of the patients that I've seen. So, which is just me sitting at a computer, typing, typing, typing and submitting on the bills electronically and uh and that is just the patient part of it that's actually just a small part of what i have my duties at the office all right well let's listen this is what we're here for what else you do uh the other thing that fills every minute that i'm not seeing a patient any second though like let's say i have a cancellation and i have a free second i'm waiting while my nurse puts patient in a room or over my lunch break so-called lunch break um I, through the electronic medical record, I am sent tasks. I have an inbox with tasks in it. And the tasks are questions from patients who've called, who electronically sent me tasks, who dropped off paper at the front desk. Um, They're questions about refills, their lab results or x-ray results, their messages from other physicians, uh, proving refills. Um, And I have to do all of those every day. So... 
most days I get probably anywhere from 30 to 50, 30 on a light day, 50 on a really heavy day, varies throughout the week. Um, and all those have to be done, which can either be sending an electronic task back to my nurse, calling a patient, um, ordering more tests, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it varies. And then there's my actual mailbox of paper mail, which is filled every day with faxes from pharmacies for medication refills, for equipment refills, um, approving home health uh, nursing orders, physical therapy orders, um, all that stuff has to be reviewed by me and signed. So I have a mailbox every day that's full of probably, again, like 10 to 20 pieces of paper that I have to read and either scan into the medical record or sign and mail back or fax back to somebody. Um, can you talk about River Park? I also work at a, um, a psychiatric hospital in mm. our community. And there, um, I'm not a psychiatrist, obviously. I'm in charge of medical management. So in order to get admitted to a psychiatric hospital, you have to be medically stable. You know, not not need some sort of acute medical care first. And so when you are first admitted, you're examined by me or one of my colleagues. I do a full head-to-toe physical exam, take a history, and a lot of it is make sure that patients who are on chronic medications are continuing to receive those. If they need special labs ordered because of other medical conditions they have, I make sure those get ordered at admission. And then people get sick while they're there. You know, um, some people are there for a long time, and so I see the usual coughs and colds. I manage, like... Um, medications that get out of whack. People who are on a blood thinner called warfarin, it always goes all out of whack once they start different medications there and that kind of thing. And lectures, right? You do lectures sometimes. Yes, I do lectures to medical students. I do lectures to you the do, residents. You do lectures to them. That is a way, <laughs> way of describing it. Um, and uh, I also precept. That's another thing I do. So because I'm in an academic facility, um, any residents who are seeing patients have to have an attending who's overseeing them while they're doing that. Mm-hmm. So that's always good to know. If you're seeing a resident physician, you might, you might, it might give you pause because you think, well, they're still in training. That's not safe, right. is it? And you're right. No. Oh. <laughs> because there's someone like me sitting in an office that they are talking to about every single patient they're seeing. The earlier in their training, the more likely you might actually see me. I may actually come in the room before your visit's over to like shake your hand and reassure you don't worry we just talked about everything you're fine um but as uh, residents progress they usually don't have to bring us in the room but um, i'm discussing every single aspect of your care or someone is who's already done with training and you know making recommendations and suggestions or just saying yeah you're on the right track good job anything else outside of hospital service you want to touch on meetings meetings everybody's got meetings i was gonna say i don't think that's particularly no I meet a lot with medical students, one-on-one meetings, like advising, mentoring, um, that kind of thing. Next generation, right? Yeah. It's beautiful. Anyway, uh, we, we were going to talk uh, after the break about hospital service, but first we're going to take a trip to the, not really the billing department. No, this isn't the billing department. This is the giving department. Oh, that's nice. Um, this is Max Fun Drive, folks. We only do this once a year. <clears throat> once a year we come to you and say, hey... If you've enjoyed this show or the other shows on the Max Fun Network, can you spare a few bucks to help support that? And, and that money does go directly to the shows um, that you listen to. There's a percentage that goes to Max Fun for their staff um, who help us make the shows and handle stuff like 
uh, advertising and producing for some of our shows and uh, and pledge management and all that great stuff. So there's uh, uh, the staff there at Max Fun is supported by your donation and also the rest of it goes directly to the shows you listen to. That's why it's so important when they ask you to choose the shows you like. Uh, make sure you choose all the ones you like because that is who is getting your hard-earned cash. We have uh, several different donation levels, uh, uh, and and they range from $5 all the way up to, I think, 200 is the highest possible uh, level. We have gifts at each of those levels. We're not going to dwell too much on some of the higher-tier ones because we know um, that that's asking a lot for, for most people. So uh, we're, we're, go to MaximumFun.org forward slash donate if you want to see those higher tiers. If you can give $5 per month, you are going to get over 100 hours of bonus content. And I mean well over 100 hours. I was going to say, it's probably way higher I think we veered now. into like five days of bonus content all the shows put out a new episode a bonus episode it's always pretty cool and special and you get access every year you get access to every year's bonus content i mean hours upon hours of stuff for for example we just did an episode uh live from a local pharmacy uh where i basically talked about how bad a lot of over-the-counter medications are and how many don't actually do anything for you. Um, and we did one about, like, medicine in the future, I think. Was that one mm-hmm. of them? And we've done an ASMR episode. We did an ASMR episode. We did a uh, two-and-a-half-men finale commentary track. That's right, we did. Do you remember that? That's right, we, we did. We absolutely did do that. Uh, that's the thing that we did. Um, so we have done a lot of those, uh, and, and, and they are all there waiting for you. Along uh, with every <clears> other show. Uh, yeah, every other show. Um, uh, what is still buffering you this year? Uh, we did a teen uh, quiz. Oh, it was a teen quiz challenge. How much have we learned from each other? Excellent. Well, you, and and those are uh, there and available for you to download. You're also uh, with the the Adventure Zone. We played Dungeons and Dragons with Lin Manuel Miranda for the first time he'd ever played. That's in there. Um, we it's also, worth it just for that. Really, it's, it's fun. There's a, and uh, you get a demo. Of a song uh, called Ghost Horse that he wrote. It's a parody of uh, Fugue for Tin Horns. Is that right? Yes. Um, <laughs> I think that's the name of the song. But um, it's for guys and dolls. And this uh, is just at the $5. That's just the $5 level. If you can get do $10, you are going to get a very cool pin designed by Megan Lincott. Every show, you get to pick what show's pin you want. Um, and uh, every show has a very cool one. Ours is a. Sort of patent medicine looking bottle and it mm-hmm. says cure alls, cure nothing on the pin, and it's really cool. You can come to the website and check out all of the different pins yep. uh, to entice you. Yes. They're, they're excellent. Uh, uh, not to keep bringing up Still Buffering, I really like the Still Buffering pin this year. I think it's the best one. It's a little like Hi. for dummies guide and it says how to adult. It's very cute. It, it is very cute. I but like all it. the pins are great. You can't go wrong with the pins, and that's at $10 a month plus you get the bonus content. Now, if you give $20 a month, you're going to get, I think this is so exciting, the Max Fun 2018 Max Fun Family Cookbook. Now, uh, Justin, you submitted a recipe. I did. I, all the all the Max Fun hosts, uh, a, a ton of them, submitted recipes for everything from cocktails to desserts, everything in between. Um, great recipes from their from their hearts. I donate. Uh, uh, gave my mom's recipe. For chess bars, and they are Sydney has eaten them multiple times. They are they're quick, delicious. Quick review, they're amazing. Yes, they're real Baptist 
desserts. It's going to take you on it's a journey. very decadent. It's got uh, a box of confectioner sugar. I mean, they're out of control. And it will make you the hit of every event you ever people will be asking you to bring chess bars to their events forever once you make these if you make them by the way send me a picture i'd love to see that um yeah. you're also going to get uh some cool space themed cookie cutters um and uh, oh the recipe for uh, my dad submitted one for we did an episode of my brother my brother me a long long time ago called spaghetti geddon and uh that was uh an episode we recorded after our stepmother carol made us some spaghetti she submitted her spaghetti recipe into the mm. Maximum Family Cookbook. There, that's all waiting for you. Plus, you get the enamel pin. Plus, you get the exclusive bonus content. Um, and the, the the donation levels go up from there. It's 35, 50, 100, 200. Um, and, and there's great gifts if you go to MaximumFun.org forward slash donate. Uh, you can see those. But honestly, like, you, the, by the way, those continue to accrue. So you get it, whatever you get at your top tier, you get all the stuff before it. But honestly... I, I personally think it's less important how much and more important that you try to support, again, if you comfortably can. I don't want to mm-hmm. put anybody in, in dire straits. No, we just appreciate you for listening. But if you're in a position that you can listen and support our network by becoming a donating member, that would be awesome. Um, if you already are doing this, thank you. Thank you. We super appreciate it. And if you're already doing it and you're thinking, you know, I really like those gifts and I'm in a position where I might want to upgrade my membership. Maybe you picked up some other shows or maybe you're just listening more. Um, this would be a great time to do it because you get a gift and then you feel really awesome because you helped us out. Yeah. And you know, every time you listen to one of our shows that you helped make it. And that's that. That is not hyperbole. That is the truth. Um, it, it means so much to us. It is it, You're supporting our family in such an incredibly humbling way. Um, and, and we so appreciate you, you doing this. We only do it once a year. We come to you with these episodes and we try to make it fun. Um, but I, and, and, and it is fun for me. It's, it's cool that like, even though it's a time where we're like asking people to dip in their wallets and give us some money, um, the outpouring, uh, of positivity from people on the max fun drive hashtag, um, is really lovely mm-hmm. and beautiful. And, um, yeah, it's just nice to hear how many people listen. Yeah. And appreciate the shows, whether That's or not so you support them. So, so thank you for your kindness. Again, one last time, that that uh, address is maximumfund.org forward slash donate. Please, if you can, and and don't wait, because you might forget. And you think, oh, I'm going to do it. Just open up another tab uh, or, or just pop up with your phone. Do it real quick. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It's not, I mean, it's not fun. You're putting in your no, and, and credit card information stuff. It's fine, but it's not like <laughs> it's not onerous. I'll say that. And make sure you check all the shows that you listen to and yep. enjoy. Um, that's a really important part. Yep. So maximumfund.org forward slash donate. Sydney, you are on hospital service now. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm not miserable. Now, but... It's it's so hard. This week is so hard for me. And I did say we. And that's what we're talking about, Tuesday to Monday, usually for you, right? Yes. So I also take care of patients who are in the hospital. And everybody does this a little differently. You know, back in the olden days, I should, to to draw, I mean, it's Sawbones, that's the show. Back in the olden days, this day would break down very differently. Um, An old-timey family doctor would do what I do, see patients in the office just like I described. They also probably would have some home visits, some house calls to make that same day and then that same day they would also be going to the hospital to round on any of their personal patients who were admitted to the hospital and that was the model for a long time wherever your patients were you saw them at home in the office or in the hospital as you can imagine that's hard to have much of a life 
Yeah. And the bigger your practice grows, the more impossible that becomes. I mean, if you've got several people in the hospital and you've got, you know, 40 patients to see that day in the office, when are you going to get all that done? Right. So uh, what a lot of practices do um, is what our practice does. We all of our patients who are admitted to the hospital are seen by one out of our attendings each week um, and we alternate. Well, so, no, there's. They're seen by your attendings each day. Well, yes, yes. Sorry, a different our attending attendings each week. A, a, a different attending each week, and and yes, we obviously we see the patients every single day, um, and that is the way we are structured to do it. A lot of practices do that. Uh, more and more are going to a model where they will work with a hospitalist. Mm. So when you're admitted to the hospital, there's a certain group of doctors who just work inside the hospital. That's all they do all day, mm-hmm. and they will take care of your patients while they're in the hospital, and then hand over care back to you when they're released um hospitals i bet are the ones like that have all the secret like the best shortcuts they know the best stuff in the cafeteria they're the ones like that you should ask for directions yes they know that place yeah inside they know yes they know because the that's the only buried. place they work that's all they do they don't do any outpatient care they just do the hospital they are employed by the hospital usually mm-hmm. um what since I'm in an academic practice, not only do I I see these patients in the hospital of all my of all my colleagues, um, I also guide a team of residents in doing so. So while all of the patients are technically admitted to me and I see them every day, and I am ultimately the one responsible for making the decisions, you know, involved in their care, uh, I am doing this sometimes through senior junior and intern residents that i work with i have a team let's do this chronologically Mm because you go in just bafflingly early it's really not that on her hospital 7 a.m it's not that early i know but it means i have to wake up at six i mean can you imagine it folks so i wake up at six and i sneak out of bed to try to not wake up justin never works or charlie when she's in bed with us which is often <laughs> at that uh, point in the day. Yes. Yeah. And I, I try to sneak out of bed and get ready and quickly drive into the hospital to be there at 7 a.m. At 7 a.m. Um, and every academic practice probably does this a little different, but this is the way we do it. At 7 a.m. We have a checkout, meaning that the resident who was there all night actually slept in the hospital and took care of people all night long uh, sits down. We have a list of all of our patients and we each get a copy physical mm-hmm. list, paper list. And they run through the list and basically tell us what happened overnight. You know, here are any changes, here were any things that went good or bad, and here are the new people that I admitted last night. Um, Our service is very busy. We have a very heavy service, so that number of new patients could range anywhere from five or six on a lighter day of work to, I think the most I ever personally admitted was 17 in one night. Wow. So it can get it can get pretty busy on inpatient service. Um, that usually takes about an hour of us just briefly. This is a very brief checkout at this point. Just quick updates. At that point, everybody breaks up to go see their patients. And that's when, if you are in the hospital, this is when the doctor shows up to actually examine you, talk to you, and let you know what's going on. This is a good piece of advice. If you uh, have a loved one in the hospital and you're wanting to talk to the doctors more, get more FaceTime with them and actually be there when they come and, you know, check out your loved one and make the plan, the morning is when we do that usually for, for the most part. Um, our patients are spread all over the hospital since we do family practice. We do all ages and all problems. So I start at the top just, I don't know, 
we just do. We start at the top and work our way down. We go to the top floor and uh, we go into each room. It's myself and two of the senior residents and we examine and talk with the patient and make a decision based on how they're doing, what we're going to do that day, let them know what the plan is and move on. Once we have seen everyone, we reconvene back in our call room. Every practice, by the way, has like a secret call room somewhere in the hospital. Ooh. There are all these, if you open the right door, you will find a, a large table covered in computers and paper and very tired looking residents um, and lots of coffee. Sometimes there's a bedroom? There, oh, there has to be. Oh, there has, there to, be has to be a bedroom. Yeah, because they, I mean, at least one of those doctors is staying there every night. So there has to be a bedroom and um, often there's a, a bathroom <laughs> and a shower. Because, you know. And snacks. Some of them shower. Usually sometimes. snacks. Yeah, ours has a refrigerator. I make baked goods sometimes. So if you see one with baked goods in it, mm-hmm. that might have been me. And a holiday tree. And a holiday tree. It's not really Christmas. We decorate it all season long. It's a holiday tree. That's good. Good for the spirit. Yeah, ours also had elevators. So it was kind of like the Bat Cave, but then they took those away. Oh. Um, so we reconvene in the call room. And at this point, I have seen all the patients. But the junior residents and interns have also seen all their patients, too. So the way we're structured is we go down the list and one by one, the residents uh, present the patients that they're assigned to. um, And they tell me what you've seen them, too. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I trust them, but this is still, you know, it's still like I was going to say kind of life and death, but like literally literally life and death. So I've seen them, too. uh, But they present to me what they found you know what questions they ask their exam findings and then they also at this point we have lab results and stuff back it takes a little while for that stuff to happen in the hospital so if we give them a few hours in the morning by the time we sit down to actually discuss the patients then we've got all your results so when they took blood from you in the morning if they did an x-ray whatever we have all that to look at and so then we can make final decisions on what to do for each patient each day Um, we make all those decisions and then we're back to the notes So if you uh, if there's a change to the plan, I already told you, or if you're going to be discharged, a doctor is going to come back to the room to kind of tell you what the change is or to sum everything up and let you know that you're going to be discharged and answer any questions you have, that kind of thing. Um, if not, if things are kind of status quo, then the resident's job is just to write a note on you, put in any orders. All orders are put in electronically. So basically, it's at this point, if you walked in the call room, you would just find a bunch of doctors frantically typing away. Mm. Um, either putting orders in for new medicines or whatever or uh, filling out discharge paperwork and then on every patient every day there has to be some sort of note documenting how they're doing that you saw them Mm -hmm. and so they type up all the notes and send them all to me to read review edit and then append a little thing that says yes I read this and I agree yeah this is more of a full time and I mean like literally full time when you're on hospital service right because there's stuff that you do in the evenings too even after you come home mm-hmm. so I work seven straight days when I'm on hospital service I'm on call seven solid days from the first I take over Monday evenings around five or six and I hand off the following Monday, Monday evening at five or six. Right. And from that time period, I am responsible for those patients every single second. Uh, so as a result, even when I finally leave the hospital each day after all the rounds are done, the notes are signed, the plans are made, the questions are answered. When I go home, I still have to be ab- available the entire time by phone um, to answer questions, 
in an emergency situation, I may have to come back into the hospital, but honestly, that's pretty rare. Um, because most of the time, if something has to be done quickly, the patient probably is going to end up transferred to the ICU, which is a whole other set of doctors and stuff. And so it's often not necessary for me to actually physically come there because by the time I would drive there, it's already happened. When you're on hospital service, how do you decide if a patient needs to go to the ICU, which is the intensive care unit? Uh, so there I, I know you know that. <laughs> Thank you. There are a couple of reasons. Um, it may be because they've become unstable. And so then we start to worry that they're going to need something to um, provide extra respiratory support. Like a, What's that mean, unstable? That could mean that they are not being able to breathe on their own. Um, we're worried about their oxygenation. They're not getting enough oxygen in. It could mean that their blood pressure is dropping dangerously low. Uh, it could mean that their heart rhythm is out of control and we are not being able to control it. So possibility um, of dying. Yes. Basically. Yes. They're, they have they have moved from a stable um, condition to a critical condition. And so at that point they would be transferred there to provide a higher level of care. They can do things in the ICU you can't do in the rest of the hospital. You wouldn't be on a ventilator anywhere else. Mm. Things like that. Um, and you also have a uh, like the ratio of nurses to patients is much better. So if you are in the ICU, your nurse may only have you and one other patient that they're responsible for. Whereas on the floor, they would be responsible for many more patients. Um, and then the doctors in our hospital, for instance, um, in our ICU, it's a closed ICU. So you're only being cared for by intensivists, people who are trained in intensive care. Um, you're, it can be a stressful time when you're in the hospital. And especially like if you think about what Sydney is describing, how rarely she is overlapping with patients. Um, what is the, if you're in the hospital or you got a loved one in the hospital, what do you think is the best way for people to sort of like get what they, you know, to get the care that they want? I think the best thing, um, one is to, if you're, well, obviously if you're the patient, you're going to be there. I was going to say is to be there, <laughs> but if you're the loved That's one. That's not so obvious. I've seen quite a few people smoking <laughs> outside the hospital. Well, maybe I should say that then. If you're the patient, the best way to get the information you want is to not leave the room all the time. I I, I understand if you're there for a long course, you got to get up every once in a while. I, I understand. I don't blame you. But um, this might be a great time to give up smoking, <laughs> especially if you're admitted for something like pneumonia you probably don't want to be smoking and especially if it's like really cold out or raining and you have to walk pretty far away from the hospital now to yeah, smoke it's because it's a non-smoking campus you're over at tutors pretty much yeah so i mean or you're standing uh, out everybody's under that tree that's right out by the road anyway the smoking tree but yes by I Shel Silverstein. <laughs> that would be one thing i would advise is you you'll get more contact and more answers and you'll probably get better faster if you're not outside all the time um the other thing is if you're a loved one, if it's possible for you to come in, that's great, especially in the morning. Now, that's not possible for everybody, and I understand that. We all got jobs. We all got stuff to do. So in that case, what I would say is a phone call to talk to, one, the nurse can answer a ton of questions for you. So don't feel like if the nurse is giving you answers, don't feel like, well, this isn't the real story. I need the doctor. No. The patient's nurses, they know what's going on. And a lot of the time they can answer questions about like, what's the next step? Are they doing okay? Are they getting better? What are the, you know, what do we think is going on? You can easily get those answers. If you are feeling like there's more that you're not getting or there's some confusion or something changes, 
at, tell, letting the nurse know that you want to talk to the doctor is always effective. Um, it, we will get back to you. We might not instantly because it's the hospital and things are unpredictable, but somebody will call you. And uh, in, if you're in the room on our service, if you call and say, I need to talk to a doctor, unless there is something absolutely emergent going on and we cannot leave it at that moment, somebody will come to your room and talk to you and answer your questions. Um, we'll do that. And write them down as you think of them. I always tell patients that if you're just sitting there and you think, you know, this isn't urgent, but the next time I see the doctor, I really do want to ask them this question, write it down. You'll forget by the time you see us and then we're gone. Mm -hmm. So write down your questions. Don't be afraid to ask. The nurses are your best conduit to the doctors. They know almost everything that we know in terms of what the plan is. And when there are little changes, they can get that information from us right away. Mm -hmm. um, I would say those are the big things. Don't be, don't be afraid to ask. I think a lot of patients are afraid to ask questions because they're afraid, like, is this silly? Is this mm -hmm. obvious? Is this not? At, what I'm getting at, is this a dumb question? There are no dumb questions. Mm -hmm. I went to med... No, there aren't, really. I went to medical school to understand this stuff, and it's still hard, and it's still a challenge, and I still continue to learn and continue to read and continue to you know, figure things out every day. I don't expect you to know what's going on. I expect my job is to make sure that by the end you understand it. Um, but if you don't understand it, I haven't done my job. So tell me, you know, that's, that's the big thing. Um, and also when you're on hospital service, I guess it's worth mentioning that like theoretically you could get called at any time, right? Yeah. Yeah. During those seven days I could, I, I am at the beck and call of the hospital. And you do check in nightly for yes. a while. Yeah, I uh, so any questions, things that urgent things that pop up throughout the day, I get calls on, and then um, I, I actually have a secret doctor text. Oh, that's right, Doc Halo, secure message. <laughs> that's right. It's secret. It's HIPAA protected secret doctor text that I get messages from sometimes. And that from is the, the that is the notification noise. Yes, it is. It is not like boodoo. It is Doc Halo. <laughs> Secure message. That is that is what it is. It cracks me up so much that I don't let Sydney turn her phone on silent while she's on service because I never want to miss a single <laughs> Doc Halo secure message. So uh, th that I'll get those multiple times throughout the day. It's also a great way to connect with specialists. Like if I've got cons consultants seeing my patients, um, that's a gr we are in Doc Halo has improved communication between your primary doctor and their specialist so much you have no idea. <laughs> I we, are, wonder, we are in constant communication now. Um, I, I wonder if there's another noise. If that's like the <laughs> default, but like everybody's already changed it to like, like that, that noise I just made up. No, because I hear everybody else's while yeah. we're rounding and stuff. So no. There's no way to sample that. Th is there somebody really has to send you a Doc Halo? If, yeah, no, somebody has to send me a Doc, doc Halo. If, if there is a way to change it, I guarantee you there is not a doctor who has tried to figure that out or has done it yet. Um, but no, every evening I get a, a call from the senior resident who is on call that night and, uh, we discuss every single patient. We go through all the plans for the day, any changes that may have happened, um, any updates and then all the new people. And then I can get called all night long with new patient admissions and questions and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we, we talked sort of about, uh, we, this probably would have been made more sense earlier, but it's just sort of come to me now as we're talking about the best way to sort of handle yourself in the hospital. When you are going to your doctor's visit, can you give people any tips for like the best way to make their doctor's visit really effective? I was going to say to get what they want, but like 
And there's a there, that that's not always the best outcome for your for your health, I guess, for you to get you know quote unquote what you want, especially with how many people are just trying to score opiates. So, um, <laughs> not any of you listening, of course, but like, it, that, how would you advise people like best comport themselves? Well, I mean, I I don't want to say that they're, I don't want to. That's such a personal thing. I don't want to ever say that there's a right way to come receive medical care well and obviously the impetus is on the doctor but like but sure but you know i like attitude wise like i don't know there's a lot of times where i worry that i'm uh like if i'm having a a problem i wonder like am i telling them enough am i telling them too much does this have nothing to do with anything and i'm just kind of rambling like here's what i would say um other than it really helps if you can show up on time i'm I'm not trying to be (laughs) not trying to be tough on that but it, it really does help to make sure that you get the full, you know, everything out of your visit. Um, I would, and if, if the doctor has asked you to do any like tests before they saw you, like take this new medicine, get this blood test done, see this other doctor before I see you. And they've arranged for that to happen. I would really encourage you to actually do that. Cause I, I, sometimes I feel like I do the same visit. It's like deja vu with some patients over and over again. Cause like, I really need to see what they're, diabetes how well it's being managed get this lab test for me and it'll be three visits before they get it done and so every visit it'll just be me saying i still don't know how your sugar's doing Mm -hmm. (laughs) i i want to help you but i have no data to you know base my decisions on um so that would be one thing and then if you know if you have a concern what i would do is just um think about ahead of time what specific questions you have and what your worries are and make sure you get to ask those. Mm. If you go in and you're waiting for the doctor to just like figure it all out, uh, there, it's not like house. I, I, I think I've said this on the show before. It's not like you can drop a couple hints and then I'll look at like, I don't know, something weird on exam and be able to instantly tell you what your diagnosis is. Medicine never works that way. It'd be cool if it did. Um, but a lot of the time it's a like narrowing down the diagnosis process Mm -hmm. you tell me a problem you tell me what you're most concerned about or what symptoms have bothered you the most i ask some questions we get to what we think it is or a broad differential of it's probably one of these things we do some testing to figure it out or we try a medication to try to address it and then i you come back to see have we made progress are we on the right track or did we start on the wrong track um that's how medicine works most of the time it is rare that you're able to come in, tell me something, and I go, ah, I know exactly what that is. This right. is what it is. Here's right. the treatment. So um, think about it. Have some questions. And don't expect that your doctor is going to have, like, a an aha moment. Those are rare. Um, the, do you think we've covered everything? Is there anything else you you wish people knew about what you do every day? Uh, I think And that's... also you come home and then you research your podcasts and you record your podcast. Yeah. And I do all the notes that I haven't finished and I do all the tasks that I haven't finished. And I like to save calls sometimes for later because um, people are off work mm. and I have more time. Um, I, I would say this. Medicine, at least in this country and especially in primary care, it is demanded of doctors that we see patients very quickly because that is how the big businesses of medicine make money off of us. And that is not, please know, doctors are no more pleased with this situation than you are. Um, I, I think most of my colleagues, if they could like have a wish list of things that they would ask 
of their bosses um, high on that list would be more time to see patients. Mm. Um, the problem with that is the more time you spend seeing each patient, the fewer patients you see each day. And so the longer it takes you to get back in with your doctor. Um, so it's, it's a balancing act. There aren't enough primary care physicians. So, you know, there's a limit. There's a rate limiting factor here. Um, but just be, try to be patient patients. <laughs> um, when I am running behind, I promise you it's not because I'm, you know, golfing. <laughs> I promise you it's not because I took a break to eat or pee. Do you, you don't know how many days I finished seeing my last patient and I literally run to the bathroom because I've had to pee so bad for the last two hours and I didn't want to slow myself down the extra five minutes it would take to run to the bathroom and run back because that's five minutes I would steal from a patient who's already waited for an hour and is, you know, desperate to see me and needs to get back to work. Um, Try to be patient because I promise you, if you're waiting, it's for a good reason. We are not messing around. Um, and then in return, I, I always make this promise to my patients. I will give you every minute you need. I will give your problem every minute that it needs. And I will not shortchange you. Just please be patient. Um, uh, thank you so much, Sydney, for that enlightening tour of your daily life. Next week, me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot more relaxed. <laughs> um, the, but I bet you pee more than I do. <clears throat> I'm peeing right now. Um, this is the Max Fun Drive. One last note on that: uh, if you like our show, if you like what we do, if you like the other shows in the Max Fun Network, please, 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 please. It only goes for two weeks, so and after that, you won't hear about it again. But please, shut us up. Go to maximumfun.org forward slash donate pledge or upgrade uh it really does mean the world to us if you do tweet at me at justin mcroy or at Sydney mcroy we try to thank everybody mm -hmm. that we see we do have two kids so it's not always the easiest thing but it we will catch as many as we can i sometimes promise sometimes i'm up at 3 a.m nursing our <laughs> our seven week old and i see those texts there are those tweets so um Folks, that is going to do it for us. Thanks to the taxpayers for letting us use their song medicines as the intro and outro of our program. And thank you to the Maximum Fund Network. And thank you to you if you have uh, donated or upgraded your donation. Or, hey, just for listening. We, we, we appreciate you no matter what. So uh, until next week, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.